From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. So, J.R., Republican Vice President Mike Pence apparently went where no other sitting vice president has gone. He held a rally inside the Wisconsin State Capitol last week. Not only that, but he touted private school voucher programs as an alternative to public education at the rally. U.S. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos appeared with him. President Trump narrowly won Wisconsin in 2016. So why did Pence choose the liberal stronghold of Madison to tout his voucher message? One, you know, there's a a national celebration of school choice going on. Uh, The event in the Capitol was the biggest event um, in the best public venue um, in the most swingiest of states that they could find. So that's probably part of why he came here. Um, Two, you know, look politically at the overtones here. President Trump did not do well with minority voters in 2016 in Wisconsin. I think he was in the single digits for support from African-American voters, according to exit polls, around 32%, I believe, for Hispanic voters. So in a state that was decided by fewer than 23,000 votes, if he can improve those numbers, it's a big help, right? Now, flip side is if Democrats can improve on how they did in rural Wisconsin in 2016 and... Uh, get Milwaukee, for example, up to where it had been under for turnout under Barack Obama when he was running, that's a big boost. So if you're Trump, you either want to win over some voters who may be receptive to a message on school choice, or in the alternative, if the Democrats nominate somebody who doesn't excite those voters, maybe they stay home rather than turning out against you. Uh, if you can show them, hey, I'm good on issue A, B, and C, it might give them pause of voting against you, which might be reason to the polls. And if Again, if he can't win them over, if they at least don't vote for the other person, it might be a wash for him and might help. In another development, Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Daniel Kelly has launched the first TV ad in the race for a 10-year term on the court. Kelly, who leans conservative, faces liberal-leaning candidates Jill Karofsky and Ed Falone. The primary is being held February 18th, while the general election is in April. Kelly's ad will run statewide through the primary. Do you think the other candidates will follow suit? And what do you make of Kelly running ads at this earlier stage in the race? So he has a significant financial uh, advantage over his opponents right now. Getting up on the air is a sign of that advantage. It helps kind of, you know, lay out a marker and maybe help him ensure he gets to the primary. It could also have a side benefit because he came up on the air earlier, maybe burn in um, an impression with voters that might help him come April. It also, if he runs up the score in the February primary, let's say he gets beyond 50%, you know, maybe 55%, he's picking numbers out of the air. If he hits a number like that, he can, you know, go out and brag and, hey, you know, I'm in a position of strength coming out of this primary that people really got behind my message. Now, people I talk to don't think Flown has the resources to get up on the air. So he has to rely on his supporters, you know, calling people, doing doors, driving out the vote. Maybe he gets a boost because he's from Milwaukee and they're contested primaries for county executive and mayor that might drive turnout in Milwaukee, maybe. For Karofsky, there's an f- assumption that she will get up on the air, just as, again, time, I mean, she has an advantage because she's a sitting judge, whereas Flona's is not. Voters tend in Wisconsin to gravitate toward candidates with judicial experience running for state Supreme Court. 
But again, even though she has more raised more money than Falone, she's got you know some more endorsements than him from various folks, getting more support from Democratic, you know, big Democratic donors. You don't want to risk anything. You go up on the air, do some kind of ad to burnish in your credentials, and try to make sure you get to that primary too. So. And finally, Governor Evers signed an executive order creating a nonpartisan commission to draw new legislative maps next year. The legislature would have to approve the maps. Republicans who currently control the legislature called Evers' creation of the commission a sham. They argue that creation of the commission does not take the constitutional duty to draw the maps away from the legislature. So with the creation of this commission, what do you think the redistricting process will look like in 2021? The first thing I have to know is, will Republicans have a two-thirds majority uh, come, you know, post-November when come, come back in January? If they get to two-thirds majorities in both houses, which it's possible but not easy, it, it, there's a path, they can override the governor's veto and draw the maps again. Now, barring that happening, what we expect to happen will be that lawmakers will draw a map, Evers will veto it, and then we go to court. The question is kind of like, which court's going to take it? I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to want to predict what a court will do. But, you know, there's a thought that Republicans might like to go to state Supreme Court more because there's a conservative majority on that, on that body that people feel like will be more receptive to Republicans. Because of that, people feel like Democrats want to go to the federal courts. Uh, Democrats like to get a better shake out of there. But one way or another right now, we end up in court. It's just a matter of which one draws the map first, how long does the process go, and those kinds of things. So... I guess if you're a lawyer, especially registered, it could be a good year for you next year. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.